Welcome to the Beyond Physio Podcast, where we help you move, excel, and inspire others on your journey to your next level with knowledge and advice from experts and testimonials from our like-minded community. Dr. Jerry Yu, thank you so much for meeting me today in your space on my podcast. Um, please just, for everyone that doesn't know, introduce yourself um, and how you got into your physical therapy business. Sure. Uh, Justin, thank you so much. And uh, a shout out to Sean Pritchard, who connected us. Yes. And who would have thought that two Jersey boys would now be living five minutes apart down in Cary, North Carolina, That's within right. a relatively similar time frame. So thank you, Sean, for that introduction. Yes. And we hit off very well. So I'm really glad that we got to meet. Um, so my 22-year journey in physical therapy has been a long one. And along the way, I think the the most important part of that, Justin, has been you know, what has become of me during that process and how I've evolved over 22 years. And so when I look back on my life and see how far I've come mm. and seeing how not only have I benefited and grown as a result of my practice, my desires, my pursuits in physical therapy and in business, but also the teams I developed along the way, my clients, how they also uh, benefited from that too. Mm -hmm. And seeing that entire journey being shared by people who are like-minded has been quite um, an awesome thing to see. Uh, so for me, just a, a little bit of background. Um, again, I've been doing this for 22 years. I uh, graduated from Columbia, then went to Rutgers for my doctorate in physical therapy. And uh, soon after I started working, I was very interested in a lot of different things. So I loved working with kids. I loved working with adults. I loved working with um, athletes in particular, which a lot of physical therapists do. Mm -hmm. And so I got a mixture of all those things. So I got to become very good at a lot of different things in that first 10 years, I saw everything under the sun. So one, one hour would be infants. Another hour might be somebody who had an ACL tear or rotator cuff surgery. Another hour might be uh, someone's grandfather or grand grandmother. And so I got this really good mix of people in my mix. So I became very good at seeing a lot of different things across um, under the sun. And from there, um, I wanted to um, continue developing my skill set, not only in uh, the clinical part, but also in the fitness area. So at the time, um, in a, I was in a partnership and uh, we had created a sort of fitness hybrid model for physical therapy and fitness. So when you come into when you came into our practice, it was basically you will come in and we sort of do an evaluation, assess your goals and that sort of thing. And then from there, we would actually put you into a program, but it was very fitness based. So people were leaving in a sweat. And after I left my partnership, I uh, basically grew that model even more. And so people coming in were basically looking for a transformation. Right. So yes, I want to feel good because of the injuries I've had or because of different limitations that I had physically. But the coolest thing is when you see a patient leaving your practice and they're transformed, meaning that mm. they are no longer the person that they came in, that who came in that first day. So we frequently get stories, I'd say 80% of our, of our clients would say, I never knew I could do this. I never thought I would get back into doing that ever again. I never thought I'd be faster or stronger in this area. And that for me is when I say, then we've done our job. Wow. And I'm not satisfied personally until somebody leaves our office saying that I, my life is not the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and that for me is basically it mirrors my own journey. Like I am not the same person I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so every year I've gotten a little bit better. Um, as my coach would say, 1% better every year. Uh, compounds over time. And as a result, uh, the person I am today is very different than it was five or 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Right. So, 
So typically, I mean, I guess for the lay person, like I would say me, yeah. right? When I'm thinking about physical therapy, I would think, okay, if someone's had an injury and they don't want to rehab it at home or they can't rehab it at home, they need a professional. I always thought of it as just getting back to the place that you were. Yes. I never thought about it as being able to improve. Like, so how does that, what's an example of that? Oh my gosh. Um, so for example, uh, we had a, a young lady, uh, we'll name her Chrissy. Uh, she's actually on our testimonials. Uh, she came in injured, uh, very high level runner mm -hmm. with a hamstring issue. Actually, she had a, uh, a pretty big strain. She was training for Boston. Okay. And, you know, that's not a normal thing to get back to. Like, oh, I just want to get back to running at that level, right? Yeah. So she came in, um, we had 12 weeks before she had to race in Boston. And just to qualify for Boston, for any runners listening to this, is a feat in and of itself. So she was already running a 710 marathon, which is really a pace. It's really, really fast. And, um, or I'm sorry, she was running a 310 marathon at a seven minute pace. So she was already really, really oh, okay. fast. Um, and so we got her to, we got this hamstring to calm down, which is the basic stuff. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, well, what else can we do to get her back to that level because that's not just basic PT. Mm -hmm. So we put her through a specific training program. Uh, one of our exercise physiologists at the time, Dr. Harry Pino, was also on staff and he was helping her design the right program to run back to. So we had a team approach to getting Chrissy back to where she could get back to running very well for Boston. So thankfully she got much better and she was able to run very uh, pretty well. So she felt confident to go back into, to run in Boston. Mm -hmm. She ended up PRing by 15 minutes. She, was, she ran, I think it was a 254, which for any, any person out there, again, who's a runner, you can really appreciate, that's a big jump in your PR. Sure. And that's a great example of somebody who we're, we're not just looking to get them back to walking upstairs, downstairs. Mm -hmm. There's a different performance level for someone like that, where we have to gear her program for that, uh, for that jump. Mm -hmm. And the problem with basic PT, and this is not, by, by any means, a knock on traditional physical therapists out there who are stuck in an in-network practice where they're seeing five, six, seven patients at the same time, Justin, that's just, it's terrible. It's not their fault. That's just the model that that particular uh, cl uh, uh, clinic does. Okay. High volume practice, very little time with your PT, it sucks. Um, you can barely get them to do much at all because of their time constraints. Mm -hmm. So the best you can do is, okay, here's some exercises. It's probably some sheet from the 1970s. Maybe hot pack, cold pack, a little rub down if you're lucky. And then you're off in the corner by yourself, you know, for a $20 copay. So uh, unfortunately, patients in that realm don't get a lot of that specialized care and they get very frustrated. Mm -hmm. We often see those people be very frustrated because they're like, listen, I, I'm not grandma and no offense to grandma out there. Yeah. I'm just not looking to get back to my day to day. I'm looking to get back to what I love to do, which is CrossFit, tennis, golf, mm -hmm. running, triathlon, whatever it is. So those that clientele you have to treat differently. It's not just about the basic stuff. So when we take somebody from day one, it's all about, first of all, we usually attract people who are active or athletic. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. I can't do because of this. I went to XYZ PT and they got me to a certain point, but they weren't able to close that gap. Right. And that's the gap that we actually are really good at closing, Justin. Mm -hmm. So it's like that person wants to go from A to Z. Mm -hmm. We can do that because of how we deliver our care. And a lot of patients do pay for our services out of pocket because they know that I know I'm getting something different here, mm -hmm. something more long term and something more towards optimizing myself than I am just basic PT. I see. And then so someone like Chrissy, you said with the hamstring. Injury, yeah. So she comes in like, what is that? 
what does that rehab look like? Sure. Uh, the most important thing for us is, especially when we get somebody who's in a sport or athletic, uh, or some sort of athletics, we want to see what they look like, um, either prior to the injury or whatnot. So we can see, look for any clues mm -hmm. that might be leading to why they were there in the first place. Okay. Because if I were to just have her come in, Justin, and say, okay, let's look at your hamstring. Okay, we'll do a couple things here. That's great, but that's just a symptom. You got to find the root cause of why that person's in for the first place. Yeah. Otherwise, and, I'll, and there's another story I'll share with you in a second, where you're just going to treat the symptom and they're going to come back with the same exact issue. Right. Whereas I knew that Chrissy had some imbalance that we had, to, we had to fix. We also took a look at her running gait, which is a big thing that we do by the runners and triathletes. And what we saw was that, oh, no wonder she had the pull of her hamstring. So we corrected her running gait because of the way she was running. Mm. And that was one thing that led to her to actually run at a, a faster pace. But that also would protect her from having to run the same issues that would strain the hamstring in particular. So now that we narrowed down the cause of it being her running gait and some of her postural deviations, we fixed those things. So the hamstring was just a symptom of that. And once we fixed the hamstring using things like VFR, we talked about this briefly, uh, dry needling, um, mm -hmm. some hands-on approaches, and some very specific strength exercises for her because she wasn't doing any kind of strength as a runner. She got better within the first six weeks or so. And from there, it began, okay, let's build up your program again so we can get you back to hopefully running at a faster pace. And I saw that in there, the treadmill yeah. with the cameras. Mm -hmm. So you were using that. And when you were talking about fixing somebody's gait, yeah. are, you, are you just telling, like, how does that part work? Are you just telling them, hey, your strides are too long? Or like, what's going on there? So two-part analysis, um, partly 3D, which is one we, device we have down mm -hmm. here in North Carolina. The other part of it is just filming them on, on your iPhone. Very low tech. Yeah. And showing them, so giving them the direct feedback, Chrissy, when you land, your knee collapses. When you land, you're landing on your heel pretty hard. That's going to put a lot of stress up the chain that you don't necessarily have to have. Wow. When you run, your hips are collapsing. So they can thought, oh my God, I never knew. Now it becomes, okay, so let's do this in place. So we teach them drills to do in place, stationary. So we work them through a progression. That way they can start seeing themselves in the mirror and start working on those things while they're in the clinic. That's stage one. Stage two is now let's put into practice. Okay, let's go run uh, a couple hundred feet mm -hmm. and then retest. We'll refilm you. Oh, you can see how you're changing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see that now. Now you've had this new pattern that's now in your brain, and now that's becoming part of their new habit. And as you know, habits take about 90 days to really kind of solidify. Yes. So if you look about uh, at an eight-week process of rehab, 12-week process of rehab for hamstring strain, we have those 90 days to work on those little drills over time mm -hmm. that they're practicing at home while they're recovering because these are things that aren't going to cause their hamstring to get worse. And as they're learning these new behaviors and adopting new patterns into their movement, now they're getting out there when they're ready to run. And it's like they've graded their movement the entire time. They've also developed some tolerance to that new way of running. Now they're ready for doing something like the Boston Marathon. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Fascinating. So the, as far as, so you've been doing this, you said 22 years. 22 years. 22 years. So what has changed in the way that you approach mm -hmm. physical therapy? And then like, what are some cool, like the 3D thing was really cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's like, what are some like cool things that you didn't have back in the, in that day, I guess. Yeah. Back when you started. Um, so I do want to give some credit to um, some guys in the field, uh, Bill Hartman, who I've learned some stuff through some of his students. Uh, Zach Couples, uh, Sean Astorga, uh, basically looking at the human uh, movement as a different, in a different light. Mm -hmm. And what I've gathered from them is how much we have to really consider how the ribcage and the pelvis, how they're lined and how they're stacked. 
uh, during movement because this is how we can then determine how much pressure is managed in our system to be able to do things, the things that we want to do. Now, we also use the upper and lower extremities, so the arms and legs, as a way to measure um, uh, in, I guess I'll say in easy terms, to way to measure where the restrictions are. Mm -hmm. When we fix those things through breathing mm -hmm. and through other kinds of positional strategies, that person now can move differently or they have more options for movement, mm -hmm. so they can do the things they want to do with less pain or less limitation. Um, so that's been a really cool thing. I'm still learning and I'm still evolving in that way. Um, having come from more of a biomechanical model to more of like a whole person model has been a big change for me. And um, although I've always considered the whole person, I think that looking at it through a different lens, that the way I'm learning from these guys has really been helpful for me to change the way that my paradigm is and how I help treat people. Um, as far as gadgets and stuff like that, uh, yeah. we have a regenerative or regen physio program that includes dry needling, includes uh, blood flow restriction therapy, uh, also includes shockwave and cold laser. Uh, these are all things that we know from literature can help accelerate our cause. So if we're looking for, hey, I need to get back to this thing, great. Um, maybe we'll take away a couple of weeks of that um, plan of care because we'd be able, be able to, to accelerate the way tissues have been healing mm -hmm. along with all the strength stuff that we've been talking about that we do. So this whole person approach of looking at not only the way that people are moving in space, what things might be barriers to where they can uh, access certain kinds of movement, but also the tools that we have that can help accelerate the recovery from an injury or from some similar limitation is combined, I think, give us a very big uh, advantage um, right. over other uh, PT practices that either don't have the time to do these things mm -hmm. um, and are maybe attracting the wrong people because these are people who are just looking to get in-network insurance paid kind of services, whereas we're looking for people who want more than that. People are looking, hey, my health is important enough that I'm willing to spend money out of my pocket because I know that's going to make sense. And that's typically men and women over 35, 40, because they've tried everything else by that time. Yeah. And they, they're not getting the results. They say, hey, you know, went to PT and I, and I get better, but then I get worse again. And right. a lot of times because of not finding the root cause uh, or because they don't have the time to spend with that patient or because they don't have the tools or knowledge base to be able to fix that person for the long game. Mm -hmm. to close that gap from that basic PT care to that um, accelerated, advanced, uh, more elite um, performance kind of thing. Okay. And you have to tell people yeah. about this blood flow restriction. You told me a story yes. about maybe an injury on a bicep yes. that somebody had. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. please go ahead and tell that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear it again. So BFR, um, in a nutshell, um, it looks like a, like a blood pressure cuff. And what it does is that it occludes or it prevents blood flow to the limb, whether it's your arm or your leg, um, to the point where your body thinks that there's a lot of stress in the system mm. and it begins to secrete the uh, necessary hormones and agents to help healing in the recovery process. So when we use this in training, um, it occludes the blood vessels enough that you get 80% occlusion. So, that's, so there's still blood going in and out. But your brain thinks that you are doing this excessive amount of load with no weight, with very little weight. So imagine if you were, if you had, let's just say before an injury, you were curling, I don't know, say 30 pounds okay. with a dumbbell. And imagine getting the same result by lifting five or 10 pounds on a dumbbell with a pressure cuff on you. Mm -hmm. That's the crazy thing about this. Um, so we once had a client who um, actually, uh, because of an injury, uh, severed a nerve in his arm. And after the surgery, uh, he basically, his arm shrunk and he had very little, uh, muscle 
um, basically a lot of little movement in that arm. So we said, let's just give it a try, see what happens. Um, this guy, after I think it was eight weeks, eight or 10 weeks um, of rehab, not only did he regain strength back in his arm, but he comes in and goes, hey, look, his arm was a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was his non-dominant arm. Wow. Than his arm. I was like, that looks really <laughs> freaky, man. But it was crazy because he was able to get back to what he wanted to do. Yeah. And he's able to you know, restore strength in his arm and everything as, as well. We have a lot of stories like that, how uh, the BFR has accelerated outcomes for ACL, um, mm-hmm. for meniscus tears, um, a lot of these different things. Um, it's also helped uh, a lot of our performance athletes. So we had this one guy, um, Eric, one time, uh, he had been healing from an injury, which he did well with, and he was training for a bike ride in the Rockies. Mm-hmm. He had done this ride for several years in a row, so he was aware of his performance and what it would take to do this uh, particular ride up the Rockies. And we were telling him how there was a group of cyclists who did the study uh, with the BFR in both of their legs. And while they were cycling on this thing, I mean, you can only go like five miles an hour. It's just so hard. It's mm-hmm. so freaking hard, Justin. So he did this for 20 minutes. I think he came three times a week for about six weeks. He goes up to the Rockies, and I believe it was at, either at the top of the Rockies or somewhere in Colorado where he was. He, uh, he, he texted one of our guys saying, I can't believe how fast I went up this mountain. <laughs> it's just crazy. So it, it's, what's cool about it, it's like it's non-invasive. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that the benefits are scientifically documented. Right. Uh, they've used this a lot on our special operators in the field who've had these blast wounds in their leg, oh. missing muscle in their legs because of these uh, because of the blast. And what has happened, it's actually saved a lot of these uh, special operators from having to get amputations. Mm. So we, uh, when I took the certification, um, the instructor showed us a basically um, a timeline of some of these guys and what they looked like at the injury and a year later. It's it's like a, it's like science fiction. It's like hmm. you can't believe how big their quad got after missing chunks of the quad. Wow! Yeah. So um, it's been a game changer for us as far as rehab goes. It's accelerated a lot of our outcomes. Um, it's helped a lot of people not have to go through surgery. Yeah. So something that we consider part of our regen the physio program. Yeah. Wow! And is that something that people would use if they didn't? Is there any benefit to using it when you don't have an injury? Yes, exactly. Oh, well, okay. So that's the thing. <laughs> so let's just say you had a, a hard workout. Uh-huh. And you want to recover a little quicker. Right. This will accelerate that hormonal response in your brain to recover your your uh, your body. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a way to recover, that's great. If you've had a couple of training runs or training days where you've gone pretty heavy and you need something a little less, mm-hmm. you come and put these on. You do your squats as if you're, say, squatting you know, a couple hundred pounds. Now you've got the, the cuffs on and you're not doing any kind of uh, weight, but your body's still getting the same kind of response to stimulate muscle growth and um uh, and recover that's interesting yeah so as far as what about people that maybe they don't have any kind of injuries but mm-hmm. they consider themselves athletes or athletic they're hitting the gym or they play you know basketball whatever can they come in and get some sort of benefit from this like maybe you have the occasional tweak but there's no injury there they're just trying to level up performance absolutely uh, because what we find is People often think of uh, physical therapy after they got an injury, but we have our biggest gains from people who are coming for preventative stuff. Mm-hmm. Whether it's prehab before surgery, or let's just say nothing was going on with you, if you're just coming in and saying, listen, I, I don't know what it is, I just can't do the thing that I used to do. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we do is a big systems check, um, Justin. So it's like, let, let's go over all the external factors that might be causing that. And that's what makes us more whole person based. It's like, okay, well, how's your sleep? Stress level, um, relationships. All this kind of stuff can really play into how you're recovering. 
what is your nutrition like? Because I'll tell you that 9.9 .9 out of 10 patients that I ask about protein, they are way underdosing. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, I know exactly like that, right? You know, uh, I recently had a, had a gentleman come in. He was like, oh, I eat protein with every meal. Yeah. So the total amounted to about 50 grams, maybe. And this guy was like 200 pounds. I'm like, you are not getting enough protein. I don't care if you're vegetarian or not. Yeah. You're not getting enough. So that's the biggest thing. Hydration is big too. Mm. Um, but we know that with like stress, with cortisol, when that's high, you're not going to be able to recover the way that you need to because your body's under all this duress. And what do you suggest for protein and hydration as sure. far as an amount? Amount. So typically, if you're somebody who's active, uh, the recommended dosage from what I know is one gram per pound body weight. So if you're 100 pounds, 100 pounds of 100 grams of uh, protein. Right. That could be from multiple sources. Um, I would say I'm not as well versed on the vegetarian side, but I do know mm -hmm. pea protein, brown rice protein are pretty good as supplements mm -hmm. that you can take along with your meals, along with beans and everything else. But you have to be very careful, um, to, as far as I know, from vegetarians that you do get that protein intake on a day-to-day -day basis, especially if you're active. Right. Um, but for um, uh, the people who, who are omnivorous, uh, who can eat both, um, I'm a big proponent of whey protein. It's mm -hmm. It'll just yeah. be a fast way to get that into your system. And um, also making sure that you're supplementing with creatine. Um, I mm -hmm. think Andrew actually mentioned that on his episode. Yeah. One of the most studied supplements out there, very benign, as long as you drink enough water, uh, five grams a day, you don't have to overload anymore like they, like they recommended in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also not only good for your, um, for your muscle and your body comp, but also for your brain health. So if there's anything that I would keep take, which I do take also, mm -hmm. it, it is creatine for sure. Uh, hydration, at least half your body weight in ounces, but every individual is so different from there. So it also depends on how you use that water. I often recommend, especially for our endurance athletes, to get a hydration test or a sweat test mm -hmm. to see how much you leach salt from your body. And that'll oh. give a good idea of how much you should be taking in from water alone versus having some sort of electrolyte into your water. Interesting. Yeah. I know I'm trying to get better at it. You're waking up first thing. Two glasses. Oh, definitely. Some water. Have to. Yeah. yeah. Maybe <laughs> with a pinch of salt in it or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll actually retain the water a little better into your system too. So what is your like personal um, exercise routine or nutrition look like? Because uh, yeah. I don't think people are going to guess how old you are. No, they're, they're probably not. <laughs> I, and I, it's, it's funny because, um, and my daughter hates this, she'll hear this, but the two times I met her friends, they thought that I was her brother. Uh, yeah. I'm <laughs> so sure, man. Like, yes. <laughs> And of course, she's like, Daddy, is that because I look older? No, no, it's not. It's not. I don't look like a 48 year old person. Right. But um, it's evolved over time, Justin. Yeah. Um, before, it used to be all HIT training, all triathlon training, so high intensity endurance, a lot of reps, you know, burn, all that stuff. And that was great. And I, and I, I, I look pretty good in my 30s, I think, for that. I think what's changed in my 40s is that my body doesn't handle HIT as much as it used to, to that level, mm -hmm. number one. And uh, for the last year or so, I, I've actually taken more of an approach for strength training. So I've been hitting the barbell much more than I used to in my 30s. Um, I had a lot of great uh, coaching from uh, this gentleman, um, Io Filet, um, at um, a Rise Fitness in Montclair, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Awesome coach. Um, he's uh, something that we refer a lot of people to just because he just knows his stuff. And uh, I think putting on the weights and also really maximizing my own protein intake to where I'm, uh, I'm 175 pounds. So eating 175 grams a day, being religious about that, has been really, really helpful for me. Um, so my workouts in a given week, if I were to give you a snapshot, it's going to be ver a little bit of cardio. Like I'm just getting back into triathlon again. Um, I've taken a, about a year off from it just because of time and stuff like that. Okay. But I've been egged on by my tri team. Like, hey, you got to get back into it. So started back up a little bit. Uh, just let my tri team know and be happy about that. 
But um, I would say four days a week I'm lifting um, anything. It's always a press movement, so some sort of shoulder or bench press. Okay. Um, there's always a squat, there's always a deadlift. Um, okay. That's my basic parameters. It'd be five by five, um, at least RPE of six to eight, as I would okay. say, as far as my lifts and weights go. Um, I'm not as strong as I used to be yet, but I'm mm -hmm. just building up right now, and it's just felt good getting back into that. Okay, and so you said four times a week, you know, weightlifting. What's the cardio that you sprinkle in? Right now, it's about 40 to 45 minutes of a very light run, zone two. I'm really okay. big in zone two just for health benefits. Right. Um, the last the last week, I actually swam twice, uh, once in open water yesterday with uh, some of the members of our tri-team. Mm -hmm. That was awesome to get back into open water. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So it was like, oh my God, I've missed this, you know? <laughs> so uh, this week, I'll be doing a ride um, with one of my guys, and we're doing two swims this week as well. So it's very cool. Yeah. And like, what did you suggest for like, I've seen a lot of people who, are, who they will go to the gym and do some sort of something yeah. seven days a week. And yeah. then I've seen people that they were getting benefits two, three days a week and yeah. just doing like extreme lifts. I guess yeah. anything can work for one Anybody. particular person, but yeah. like, what's your take on, you know, rest days and recovery? So if I were to take two steps back, I'd want to know, because everybody is so different. Yeah. I would want to see their movement patterns, just make sure that they're not setting themselves up for failure for injury. Mm -hmm. So a lot of guys, as you know, will kind of jump in hardcore and get hurt, and they're out for, for weeks or months sometimes doing something silly. Yeah. Um, they didn't get coached on movement, you know, whether it's the deadlift the wrong way, a squat the wrong way, or some sort of shoulder press the wrong way, they just get injured because they were just overloaded too fast. And we actually have a lot of guys like that who see us. You know, I, I, got, I got greedy, mm -hmm. or I got really excited about the weight, and I just went up, and it kept going up, and then all of a sudden something gave. Mm -hmm. They didn't give themselves enough time to actually develop the strength they needed in between sessions to get to that point. They didn't have enough reps to get to that point to say, I can go from, you know, this way to this way. So I think it depends on the person. Right. But number two, I think if you cover the basic movements mm -hmm. and you go at a slower pace and you're thinking about fitness as a long game, because right. I'm like, <laughs> it's 20 years later, right, Justin? Yeah. It's like, if you're thinking about it, well, I want to get so I can look good in a, a bathing suit. You probably didn't realize you can look this way <laughs> at your age. No, I, I, didn't, I did not. You told me when I was twenty that I look this way because I actually better now than I did in my twenties. Right. I, I would be like you're 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 you know you're on something. Yeah. But uh, um, I think because because I treated fitness as a long game and I sort of like worked uh, worked in what worked for me at different phases of my life mm -hmm. and respecting how I felt with certain kinds of movements, it made me more acute, uh, more aware and attuned to what I needed at that moment in my life. And right now, the strength phase is something that I really feel like I needed right now in my life. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish I met you like. <laughs> <laughs> nine months ago i had a kind of like a weekend warrior sort of you did injury because <laughs> yeah. i go to the gym all the time yeah but i never sprint oh and we went out we played you know football with a yeah. couple of guys yeah. and i played football in high school and oh, i was like i'm gonna burn these dudes. <laughs> like they don't even know and ball went up and i was like dead sprint and it was a little too out of my reach yeah. so i even kicked into the next gear and man Ooh. i just heard pop in oh, my hamstring man. and someone was walking around the track and they were like and because i dropped the ball because it, it happened course, at the same course, time course. and he was like come on oh you did not yeah you're on my leg there, the hop off the field it was brutal. oh the walk of shame man I, i've been it too many times honestly how old are you justin i'm 33. okay so yeah so definitely in my 20s or 30s i that sort of side of me would take over sometimes i would do things i probably shouldn't have done right yeah <laughs> it's because it's funny because we don't i guess when you get to a certain age and you get out of sports and you stop oh, sprinting yeah like you can run yep. right like you're going on a jog you're going on a run but sprinting yeah. is a whole different thing and yes. i've heard that there's 
good benefits for uh, testosterone oh and all kinds of things. 100% increase. And uh, it's funny, you met, actually, I, I spread it on Sunday. I forgot to mention that. So um, I think it was like working up to six sets of 20 to 30 second sprints all out mm -hmm. with a 90 second rest in between has been shown to really boost up your growth hormone. Mm -hmm. um, especially for guys out there, if you're in your 30s and 40s, it's a great practice because it does tell you where to dial in if you can't run that fast, something's sort of not feeling right, mm -hmm. probably mobility issue or flexibility issue that's off that right. needs to be addressed. Uh, but also, if you want those gains of you know uh, increased testosterone, which we all need as guys over 40, because you probably know, you know once you're over 25 or so, you start to decrease in your muscle size unless you do something about it. Yeah. So anything that you and I can do to make sure we can preserve what muscle we have, maybe even grow from there mm -hmm. through nutrition, through proper weight training and strength training, uh, through proper supplementation, all these things are really beneficial for us as we get older. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But one thing I want to mention, um, in my 40s, the biggest thing, the most important thing for the long game for any guys and gals out there is the warm-up. Because I'll tell you from yeah. my own experience, when I don't warm up before a class, mm -hmm. and that means that if the class starts at 5 a.m., I'm there at 4.45 doing my own thing because I know what, what's stiff on me. And then I do the group warm-up with the people. That's about another 10 minutes. So I've done about 20, 25 minutes of warm-up mobility work before we even get to the class. Mm. And for me, I have found that works best for me because of how I feel stiffness. I've had different injuries in the past as well. And why I don't do those things, if I rush into class because I'm running late, I definitely pay for it the next day. Mm. So just as a, a word from the wise yeah. uh, <laughs> to those who are maybe in their 20s and 30s and coming into their 40s, making sure that you do a good warm-up is really key um, as part of your long game of fitness. Mm -hmm. And what about things that people can do from home? Like is, is going home at night and like just stretching in front of the TV or doing some yoga or something like that, are those kind of things worthwhile? Uh, they can be, I think it depends again on what you do for a living too. So let's just say if you're, if you're on your feet all day, you're, you're doing hard manual labor, mm -hmm. maybe some gentle soft stretching at home would be a good thing just to down, to deregulate your body a little bit, to just mm -hmm. calm things down, downregulate. Um, if you're at a desk all day, Maybe doing a little bit more mobility work when you get home. Um, so keeping static poses, you know, moving towards the end range a little bit in certain poses so that you can get that stretch in the tissue and also in the joints. Mm -hmm. Also very helpful. Um, if you are, let's just say you are, uh, I don't know, let's say you're a yoga teacher all day. Maybe you need some stability work. Uh -huh. You know, yes. if you're a dancer, you've been dancing all day. Maybe you need some um, good stability work as, as well when you're not doing those things because you've done all that flexibility throughout the day. We're working with a um, with a Broadway dancer right now, and what we're noticing with her is she's very strong, which she does, and you know, very graceful. But she lacks the stability in, in the end range position that she needs for her for her um, uh, profession. Mm -hmm. And so we're working on very simple movements that you wouldn't think would be challenging for someone of that caliber. But having her in these positions, she's like, oh my god, like a, my 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 glutes are on fire. It's crazy because you, you wouldn't be able to know that she, she's not you know firing those glutes, right. but. Uh, because of those things, depending on what a person does all day, well, I would cater what they do at home a little bit differently. Mm. And how is, uh, this is something I've seen recently, that sitting is like the new smoking. Yeah. Right? It's like, how is sitting all day ruining our health? Oh, my gosh. What um, have you seen? So, from so many levels, but I'll point out one or two. Uh, the biggest thing is the stress on your low back. Because okay. we know that low back pain is like the number one killer in... Hmm. Almost everybody across the country. 80% of Americans will get low back pain at some point. Why is it the low back? Because if we're sitting all day, um, the discs, all the structures that help load the spine or protect you and stuff like that mm -hmm. throughout the day, these are loaded all day long. 
And so if you're not getting up and a lot of people don't get up and that's probably the most important advice I can give to you out there. If you are somebody who sits down for a job, either get a standing desk. If you don't already have one, get up every 30 to 45 minutes, do a quick little something because any kind of movement is better than sitting down all day. Mm. And here's the thing. That's the kicker actually, Justin, even if you have good posture, maintaining that posture all day long, is not a good thing. Right. So the best posture you can actually do is the one that changes every 45 minutes or so. Interesting. That we're not made to be static. Our, our body was designed to move. Mm -hmm. And you, if you can look at every single joint and how everything was designed as, as a whole. And if we're not doing that movement, we are just getting stiffer and stiffer over time. Right. Our joints rely on movement for nutrition. So your knees, your meniscus, all that kind of stuff, they rely on this passive sort of movement from your day-to-day -day movements, day -day movements that allows nutrition to go into the joints. So if you're just sitting down all day, nothing's happening. Right. Nothing's going to where it needs to go. Right, 100%. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, we've become very sedentary. Yes. Is there, I feel like a lot of people get to a certain age and they kind of think that movement or exercise is behind them. Like it's too late for them. Yeah. But like I shared on my Instagram story yesterday, I saw a 78-year-old woman doing a 200-pound deadlift. Yes, I love it. And that. you see stuff like that yeah. and you're like, holy smokes. Exactly. So like, what would you say to somebody who thinks like, oh, like um, I'm 60, I'm 70, I'm 80 even, and that stuff is behind me? Yeah, um, I mentioned this on Sean's show, but I was saying that movement is medicine. Mm -hmm. I think we all know that, um, that adage. But the, what I find is that no matter what age you are, um, if you want to remain independent, mobile, mm. uh, being able to do things on your own. Um, and all, uh, by the way, uh, we know that movement and exercise in particular are the most important uh, protective um, thing you can do for Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh. So if you want to protect your brain health, you got to be moving. I, it, and it's you know, 35, 30 to 45 minutes a day, even an hour a day, I would say, of low-grade movement whatever at whatever age you may be yeah strength training we know strength training at least a few times a week is very necessary for your muscles bones and joints to be optimal health mm -hmm. at any age mm -hmm. so if you're looking to live a healthy life at any age whether you're 30 or 80 or 90 what have you the most important thing the most uh, important thing you can do for yourself is exercise mm -hmm. so i i always tell patients like and my parents are and i love my parents to death they they're sure. amazing people um, they have inspired me not to be sedentary because mm -hmm. I see the way they're aging, Justin, and I'm like, I do not want to become that way. Right. So, um, and I love them and I'm trying to help them out as much as I can, but it's not their habit, right? It's not mm -hmm. something they prefer. They prefer to sit down all day. Yeah. Um, at least my dad does. So what I try to do is like, listen, just get up, go to the couch. We have them join a membership somewhere mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of get them moving because I, I know what's going to happen if they don't. And for me, it's like, if, if my parents are getting into their 80s right now and they're not moving very well, I know in their 90s, God willing, they're not gonna be moving that well at all. Right. So anything we can do to prevent that general demise is what we wanna try to do um, now. And the time is now. So if you haven't started, it's not too late. Whether you're 60 or 20 or 30 or 40, whatever, whatever weight you're at, it's never too late. Oh yeah, absolutely. And what would you suggest someone, like where should someone start? They don't have any exercise routine. Mm -hmm. They don't have the habit. They what they have is the opposite yes. of good of habit. Right? <laughs> I think uh, there's a lot of there's a lot to this. It depends what shape they're in to begin with. If they're sort of overweight mm -hmm. and whatnot, I think you need a team approach to this. And if you're willing to take that approach, understand that you're finally investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be I got to find somebody to help me with my nutrition. Yeah, I got to find somebody who's going to help me um, with my movement. 
right. and someone who can coach me on how to move well with with load with weights. Mm -hmm. So you get that sort of like sort of team approach. Um, I think you're going to start off on the right step because what happens is people get very discouraged very quickly because they don't have accountability, right. because they don't have either group or some other professional telling them, hey, these are things you can do. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't have somebody kind of along the way coaching them that, hey, look at the objective progress you made in the last month. Right. So you don't have a cheerleader. Yes. So when you have those things in place, your level of success to get to where you want to be when you're first starting out is not only at its safest, but you also have the highest uh, success rate to get to where you want to be. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Helps to have a team. I mean, if you just show up to, like, say, Bucked Up, the gym that I go to, and you walk <laughs> in, dude's squatting 400 pounds, oh, you're going to feel oh, like, my God. maybe I don't belong here. Exactly, exactly. Um, and account accountability is huge. Even Massive. starting, like, a social media account. Like, if yes. you're overweight and you start a social media account, like, people will cheer you yes, on. big time. And then they'll notice that difference yes, over time. exactly. motivate you to keep going. 100%. Whatever you need to motivate you to keep going, whatever system you need in place to have people where they can encourage you is going to be the, the best uh, way to get to where you want to be. Absolutely. I'm curious about this. Um, you touched on this earlier, but it was the ice laser. Is that what you said? A cold laser. Yeah. Cold laser. Yeah. Yes. What is that? So basically, um, in a nutshell, it's a, it's a low level laser. Um, it's non-thermal, so it doesn't burn you or anything like that. Um, but what it does, it actually stimulates uh, the powerhouse cells in your body called the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. You'll remember from your Bio yes. and freshman year. <laughs> so um, what it does by doing that, it actually helps stimulate recovery much quickly. So it gets the tissues to regenerate faster. So when we have patients with chronic pain in particular, they've tried everything else. Um, what this does, it helps to jumpstart things moving. Mm. That combined again with the whole body approach to make sure that this person is doing the things that are going to be helpful for them and doing at the right dosage of activity is going to help them to get to where they need to be. What we want to do anytime with, uh, if you're out there suffering from chronic pain, we have to just break that cycle in the brain that says that this movement is painful. And we can do that a number of ways. We can either um, introduce movement very slowly um, in a greater pro progression, or we can start with very simple basic movements along with some of these tools that we have like the cold laser mm. so that you can tolerate that movement better and not have this fear or this worry or anxiety about this movement causing your pain to happen again. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What is your take on um, CrossFit? It's, it's I have my level one certification for those out there. And actually, several of us in my practice do. The reason why I did that is because I wanted to learn the movements that people do in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. um, I can't do them well, to be, I'll, I'll be 100% honest. But it's enough for me to learn, okay, well, this is why this, this person might get hurt. I see. Now, if Jimmy gets hurt doing, say, kipping pull-ups, but yeah. Janie doesn't, Maybe Janie has better mobility in her shoulders, mm -hmm. which is why she's able to do those things. But I'm going to look more carefully at people and how they move individually in CrossFit versus saying that, hey, CrossFit as a whole sucks. Because I'll tell you, there are some really right. great coaches out there who are very aware of what they're doing with their clientele, and they know how to push intelligently. Mm -hmm. There are others out there, just like in any other field, who yeah. really don't and are just kind of like that, you know, like, oh, come on, you can do it. There is a level, I get it, of pushing um, athletes to where they can um, excel. And there's a fine line between performance and injury. I definitely understand that. But I think that if you do that day in and day out and don't grade those movements carefully and don't respect that person's physiology or their um, mechanics and their movement patterns, you're going to have that person get hurt. Right. Um, again, not just CrossFit. I'd say that's a global. If you have the right coach who's conscientious of those things, Justin, you're mm -hmm. going to see somebody who can really excel very healthy 
and do it very well for a long period of time versus somebody who's in it. Come on, you got it. You can do it for that one session, playing the short game. Right. And they're, that person is going to get hurt, get some surgery, and they're going to be now they're out of the fitness game. So now this person is not only not able to do CrossFit anymore, they're not able to do any kind of fitness anymore because of a really serious injury. And that's what we want to prevent from happening. Mm -hmm. But um, as a whole, um, I, I can respect CrossFit. I mean, these athletes, men and women, are just ridiculous, amazing. Yeah. Um, so I respect what they do. I, I think some people may not be able to do those things, but there's always a modification. There's always a way around those things. Maybe you can't RX for that particular, mm -hmm. particular weight or that particular wad, but there's still a lot you can do, which is what I respect about CrossFit. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And is there something that, is there like um, a supplement side or like, um, I don't know, I mean, medicinal side that you add to what your patients are already doing in person with you? Yeah. So the first thing I do is actually, especially for our guys who are over 35 and 40, we ask them, and we've actually been changing our paradigm towards this, is get a look at how your testosterone works. Yeah. Um, it is uh, probably the most overlooked um, hormone um, in men and women over the age of 40, mm -hmm. um, especially women over who are in menopause too. Uh, mm -hmm. Testosterone, if you're lacking that, and we're not talking about your um, testosterone profile as a whole. We're looking at your accessible testosterone. Okay. So what happens is with- uh, Is that free testosterone? Free testosterone, exactly. So those levels might be dangerously low, mm -hmm. um, actually lower than you think. Um, and so what we do is say, hey, get that checked out because if that's why you're still in pain after you know, weeks of therapy, weeks of rehab, that yeah. might be one of the things that's causing you not to get to where you need to be. Mm. And so we recommend that uh, they get that, che that panel checked out. Um, I think the only specialty services that do this, I don't think you can get that from your physician because they have to ask for the right kind of uh, blood test or blood titer to be to be drawn. Um, that's something that I need to do myself because I've been preaching it, so now yeah. it's my turn. But um, I do know from my friends who have um, gone through that, you know, the, the misnomer or the misinformation about like TOT is that, mm -hmm. oh, you're going to get jacked and, you know, you know you're going to be a juice head. You're just bringing your baseline. It's not easy. <laughs> The dosage, from my understand, is like ten times less yeah. than what you do to get juice and become like you know roided. Right. Um, it's just enough to get you to baseline, which is a lot for a lot of people, just to get them to function at where they need to be. Mm -hmm. um, and what we know about testosterone TOT is that it helps with brain fog, it helps with other kinds of things, and clarity, um, helps with mood mm -hmm. in men as well and women as well. So if looking at a way to get your maximum optimal health, it's good to get that checked out and making sure that's not a factor in what is uh, causing you not to get better, recover quickly. The other thing is um, uh, creatine we talked about. Yep. Um, I'm also big on um, like B vitamins as well. Mm. Um, I know Huberman talks about that as well. Uh, Andrew Huberman talks about yeah. supplementation as well. I don't get too much into that because I find that a lot of our clients don't even have the basics of like I moving know. well and eating protein and hydrating yeah. well. So adding this other sort of factor in there might not be something too that much. is not too much. Okay. Exactly. Understood. Yeah, because I know there's, um, as far as like what's coming up in that space, like peptides. Yes. Things like that. Yeah. Are you interested in those at all? I'm just interested in learning more about it before I yeah. put it into my system, but right. um, certainly something for discussion after, after I do my research as well. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff in that area. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where can people get connected with you and where can people find you? Yeah, so they can go to our website, which is um, nlphysio.com. That's next level, so nlphysio.com. Uh, they can find us on Instagram. So my handle is uh, tryjerrydpt, um, and our company handle is next level physio PT. Um, you can also email us at info at nlphysio.com, and we'd be happy to uh, entertain any questions you might have about anything that we do 
for health, wellness, and physical therapy. Awesome. Jerry, this was a blast. Oh, man. Seeing you, Justin, it was really great to connect with you in person. And we had a yeah. good connection on phone. So oh, yeah. I was very excited to meet you in person. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. It really does mean a lot to us. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, or comment if you got at least one or two helpful insights or takeaways to help you get to your next level.